Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier. I'm here with my friend and colleague, as always, Tommy Welling. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Scott. How are you? Awesome, man. Um, Excited about today's episode. Uh, We got some cool stuff we're going to be going over. Um, Yeah. Recapping what we did last week, I was hoping that you guys and gals out there put what we were reviewing um, in terms of getting this Fat, this tool of fasting into your day-to-day lives. Uh, we really encourage you to sit down and map out your week and figure out where this was going to fit in between the business meetings and the date nights and the lunches and the traveling and all those different types of things. So really hope that you um, did that. And uh, just as a second of reflection, probably wasn't perfect, but that's a-okay. And today's episode, we're really going to dive into the benefits of fasting and you know what they are why we're doing it, uh, and most importantly, how they can uh, make a massive impact, uh, you know, starting today, but uh, also for the long run. So yeah, that's where we're going to get started with. Tommy, um, you were telling me a funny kind of uh, reflection or story that you had, uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing it again. Yeah, the other day, uh, I remember texting you, and um, I was sitting there, it was about 10 a.m., I think, and uh, from the night before, we had had some family over, and we were drinking a few beers, having some barbecue, having some more barbecue, a little more beers, and, uh, and you know, by the end of the night, um, you know, we were all pretty full. We had had a lot of food, a lot of good fun, um, so went to bed, you know, feeling great, but by the time I woke up in the morning, um, it, was, it was sluggish, and uh, a lot more sluggish in the morning than it had been the night before. And I, I realized by about 10 a.m., like I feel most of the food. Like I feel like most of what I had eaten was not digested at that point. And I, I thought to myself, wow, like this is, this is fine. This is fine. I, I ate more calories than I needed at the time last night. Here I am. It's the morning. It's past breakfast time, but you know, it's, it's getting closer to lunchtime. And I remember in the past, I would have been thinking, okay, well, what am I going to eat? Um, I got a, you know, I may have skipped breakfast kind of accidentally, but lunch is coming up and I don't want to, to slow down into that starvation mode. I don't want to meet that boogeyman. Um, so what am I going to eat? Uh, maybe it'll be a smaller meal, but I'm still going to eat something. But I did not feel like eating at all. And over the last year, you know, what you learn pretty quickly in the process is you don't have to eat that next meal just because you're used to eating at a certain time. And that, that was a very cool feeling. And even so this, this far into the process. How the rest of the day play out for you then? Cause that's rest huge. Of the day. Yeah. Rest of the day was, was good. Um, you know, energy was, was coming up through, throughout the day. And I feel like if I had put more food on top of that, I would have felt worse and more tired and sluggish, but uh, energy came up. Um, that fullness feeling just went down steadily throughout the day. 
um, have, you know, an extra cup of coffee in there, some extra water. But I mean, by probably 6 p.m., just felt fantastic. Um, I still skipped dinner um, and just went to the next day, but I didn't have to. I, I could have eaten if I had a, you know, if I had one or two or had a social event or something like that. That's awesome. Um, and the more that, you know, you guys probably listen to this going like, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. You ate a lot. You're still kind of full. But it goes a little bit deeper than that, too. In for me anyway, in that, you know, physiologically, your body has all that short term stored energy. Um, so it, that feeling of fullness, you know, we kind of get used to the psychological stimulus of it, the outside, the environment, the schedule, the time, the habit, habitual thing that we do at a certain time of day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, it was always I used to almost fear dreading. I, I would I would I would have you know, a little bit of angst going into a big birthday celebration or, um, you know, uh, an anniversary or a holiday and we travel and I would, I would literally be like, okay. And I would say this to my wife, I can either eat or I can have some adult beverages. That's what we call them. So Mm -hmm. I can either eat or I can have a few drinks and enjoy myself. Cause anytime that I did both, I felt exactly with what you just described. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And it's crazy because then you would, you know, I'd get back on my workout regimen. I would start tracking my calories. I would log everything I had, you know, all 1600 calories of barbecue and however many IPAs and glass of wine or, you know, a little after dinner amaretto, whatever it was. And I would look at him like, all right, back on track. And then it would take me so much time to get back to, you know, where I, where I felt like I hadn't lost that ground just from a night or two. And, you know, everybody not be at, might not be at that exact position now where they have that same you know, afterburner, after effect, but it builds over time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you could, I mean, if you're, if you're cutting calories by three, four, five, six hundred 600 in a day, which is standard. And yeah. Right. And then, but then you have a meal like that, or, you know, you, you, you have kind of a, a festive day. Um, you know, you could easily pack on an extra 12, 1500 plus additional calories. And so that's multiple days worth of undoing that small margin and it, it's tough psychologically especially like oh holiday weekend go, uh, god forbid a cruise uh, don't oh. get me started you know i mean how, how are you going to undo a seven day cruise right you know with just a small calorie deficit it's going to be mentally it, it's going to feel like you're climbing mount everest and there are people out there probably listening will have some willpower have some self-control sure and yeah on a day-to-day basis you do that but you know year after year of struggling with it and having those ups and downs and being diligent and not getting the long-term results you're looking for, you know, eventually it takes a toll um, where you kind of get to a point where it's like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to enjoy it. (laughs) Right. I I can't seem to beat it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can't seem to beat it. May as well join it. It's uh, it's interesting because you had texted me that and then I traveled um, for work um, working on a special project, uh, up in the Midwest. So I'd flown out, um, relatively early and my parents had actually flown in and then I was flying out a couple of days after. And, you know, the airport experience this time around, I was sitting there, I had a delayed flight due to the, um, brain numbing cold that was, um, in the Midwest. And I'm just sitting there thinking and my stomach growled. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. You know, I don't drink as much water when I travel because I don't want to be the guy getting up four times on a three-hour flight to Chicago. 
Um, so I was timing my water, um, and I figured when I landed, I'd, you know, get 30 to 60 ounces in and be right back to where I, I normally feel good. But I was sitting there and my stomach growled. And normally when I traveled, it was always, okay, when I get to the airport, I'll get a coffee, maybe I'll get a little snack. I'll go to the, the store, I'll pack snacks. I'll have my protein powder with me. I'll, you know, pick mm -hmm. up the cashews, but then you, sometimes you, you know, you're like, all right, well, if it's not just work and there is some play planned on the trip, it's like, all right, well, maybe I get to indulge a little bit. So you start the process of, all right, well, I normally would get these cashews, but this time I'm going to get the ones that have the dark chocolate fun stuff. Right. In it, right. And then, mm -hmm. you know, so then you land and it's like, all right, well, I'm eating in an airport, so I can't get exactly what I would typically get. So maybe I'll indulge a little instead of getting the side salad, I'll get the curly fries. And mm -hmm you know, then you have a, you know, anyone who travels a lot will say, yeah, the airport bars are there for a reason. You know, you get a downtime, you'll have a drink and three or four days of business travel and you try to do your best. And then, you know, next thing happens and you're back to a point where um, you get home and you're like, man, I just, man, what happened? It kind of spiraled mm -hmm. out of control. And that airport realization this time was like, well, no, I'm fine. And we trained and had, you know, a corporate meeting and a training all day on little sleep on Friday. And by the end of the day, I was focused. I was energized. I didn't feel sluggish. I didn't get as much sleep that next night because I had some work I had to get done. So I worked into the wee hours of the morning and I didn't eat, you know, the donuts and uh, bagels that were provided. I waited until dinner again. And then I flew home and waited till dinner again. And I came home and was actually in a better place than when I left. Nice. So, you pretty much stuck to one meal a day while yeah, you were gone? Yeah, yeah, one meal. And I and I even had a couple of meals which I typically wouldn't have. We went out to Mexican and I probably ate a whole bowl of chips and queso with the guac. Like it was amazing. Normally I'd try to limit that stuff, but you know, the, the ability to that realization in the airport, I was like, wait, this trip can be different, you know? Um Yeah. And I just hadn't traveled much since since I'd started fasting because we have two little ones and whatnot. So it was really cool to know in the future that it'll be a lot different. So Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, we had been, uh, going back and forth about doing this, you know, kind of segment as we roll out the episodes, uh, in terms of, uh, a research based, uh, topic, um, and maybe some current events some social events, you know, people that are having successes, uh, with fasting, with intermittent fasting. You know, if you look up, um, Terry Crews and intermittent fasting, you'll see, how shredded and ripped he is at like 48 and he definitely does intermittent fasting. So those types yeah. of things, we want to weave them in and out um, of the episodes and kind of the teaching uh, that we're going to go into uh, in terms of the benefits of fasting. But the article is a mouthful. Um, and I know you and I have already talked about it, but it's visceral and ectopic fat, arthrosclerosis and cardiometabolic disease. That is, yeah, say that wow. twice. And it's a position statement. So it's a big review it's in the Lancet Diabetes um, and Journal of Endocrinology in 2019. So this was from July 10th of 2019. Um, and it was pretty eye-opening uh, in terms of, you know, what the visceral adipose tissue, and in layman's terms, that just means the fat in between your organs, and typically it's found deposited around the midsection, right? Right. And it is dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I hate to bring up my dad again, but, you know, we typically see things through the values and the lenses um, of the people and the experiences that we had that are closest to us. Mm -hmm. um, 
So the first thing that the paper talks about, you know, it talks a lot about um, BMI and cardiovascular risk and those types of things, but there's literally a list or a picture on the third page that lists the negative effects of having visceral adipose tissue or that fat in between the organs and um, the fat that's centrally located around yeah. your body. And I was blown away with it about it. I, I mean, I didn't really think it could have all of these different implications, but like, I don't know what your thoughts were on, on when you read it. Um, you know, it's scary um, because you, you start seeing all the downside of having that, that extra fat in the midsection um, as opposed to, you know, out in the periphery, you know, on the arms and the hips um, on the legs and that midsection fat, it, it really just starts to hamper every organ that it's around. And it starts to basically just clog up everything that should be working smoothly in the body. So it, you, you really start to kind of visualize each one of those little fat cells in the middle of your body. Like that shouldn't be the, I need less of those. You, you really start to put a face to each one of them. It, it's an interesting perspective too. When you, when you say it that way, I'm like, Oh man, I'm happy little fat cells. Like our body wants to store, you know, it wants to bring us back to homeostasis. It doesn't want us to have go into a starvation mode, which is a conversation on metabolism that we will have in the future, you know? Um, but just looking at, you know, terms like insulin resistance and impaired glucose tolerance and type two diabetes, which is so common these days that I don't think it carries the same weight in terms of long-term health outcomes that it used to hypertension yeah. and heart failure and coronary artery disease and valve diseases and arrhythmias and sleep apnea and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or COPD stroke, reduced brain size, dementia, decreased cognitive function, reduced bone density, so on, so on, so on, and so on. Wow. So, you know, when we're talking about, you know, how do we take this information and, and disseminate it and, you know, make it actionable it really comes down to the, the thought process of, you know, when we started, you know, rolling these episodes out and it was looking at your goals for 2020 and kind of what you want to achieve. Um, mm -hmm. And I know you and I talked about it. A lot of the times people say, well, you know, if you get to the first layer or level, huh, layer is actually kind of a good uh, parallel there, but level of desire or motivation or mindset on how to do this or why you want to lose weight. Typically it's more superficial like that mm -hmm. first layer would be, um, you know, I've got a wedding coming up or I've got an 25th anniversary. Or I've got family photos or I've got a trip that I'm going to be in a bikini or, you know, that those types of things when really it's much, much more than that. Yeah, it, it typically starts there. And, and that's a fine place to start. I mean, we right. all see it. We, we walk by the mirrors, mirrors everywhere. And, and that, that's a good place to start. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it, it should just be part of the story. And if you really give it a little bit of thought, um, you know, take a look at articles like this and, and, and see what's out there, what's really kind of looming behind having those additional pounds, um, you know, no matter how long you've, you've had them for, it, it really makes you start to kind of build the argument against keeping those extra pounds around. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, 
Uh, my little guy, my two-year-old, has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child, and we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times, rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing and the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors. And we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money, and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTING for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um offer for you as well you'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit which is an additional 84 dollar value that's exclusive to you the podcast listener now hearing this in real time lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life you guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with and if it wasn't for this incredible company and this the incredible results that we've seen I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. And the frustrating thing is, um, you know, you and I hadn't been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, um, but based off my blood work, you know, I was still getting positive results, meaning my numbers were normal, yet there was some indication of that, you know, type three diabetes, that metabolic syndrome, that insulin resistance, mm -hmm. um, kind of these words that you hear a lot. Um, and, you know, I'd gotten to the point where I, I just didn't realize that that was the problem. Um, yeah. And, you know, the long-term effect of it was my realization, you guys know, is when I looked at my dad, I was like, oh no, I'm turning into him. He's got a lot of great attributes, but you know, his midsection is not one of them in terms of, you know, the problem that I just found out he's, you know, there's, there's now, you know, uh, medications involved that can cause people, people that are listening to this right now that think they're doing the right thing that are having medical, uh, you know, personnel, their doctors and people tell them that they need to lose weight. The problem is the medications they're on like insulin itself is the hormone that regulates fat control. So they're doing all the right things yet the source of the problem is the problem itself is that right. you have the insulin resistance and you can't get off the merry-go-round. Right. So, you know, when we look at the benefits of fasting, 
I mean, I mean, just the list is innumerable, but we want to go over a few that really kind of stand out that are directly related to the issues that were kind of in that research article that we were reading. Yeah. I mean, you, you start there with the insulin that you just talked about. Insulin's being prescribed. It's, it's the problem is that it's circulating too high for too much of the time over years and years and years. And then it's being prescribed because it makes the numbers look better that we're typically, you know, the physicians are looking at um, as, as those key markers uh, for the insulin or, or for the diabetes rather. Right. But it, it's, they're not looking at the actual insulin resistance, which is piling on the pounds and then the extra exogenous insulin given to the patient, which is forcing the body to pile on more pounds. And then every time you go to the doctor and you go, oh, well, doc, uh, I, I know I'm getting bigger, but I'm doing everything you're, you're saying to do. And then you're looking at the blood work. Oh, well, your A1C is coming down. So that's good, right? Uh, well, not necessarily, because if you, if you can't take off you know, the extra visceral fat and those extra pounds and you can't bring the insulin levels down and get off the medication, the only other way it's going to go is you're going to have to keep doing more and more insulin because your resistance is getting worse over time. So that's now, where we start. Right. And that, I mean, that's the, that's the, you know, the worst case scenario, you know, where you're in that situation and now you have that external, like you said, um, insulin that is, that is, there's almost accelerating the process. It's like putting, you know, gas on the, on the campfire, the fire gets bigger. Mm -hmm. So when we look at benefits of fasting and, you know, the whole idea is to lose weight and, um, the, the, the docs in the medical system are not taught to, uh, teach patients how to do that. It's, it's more, um, it's even less, I should say now where depending on where you look at, it could be as little as one hour up to 10 hours over a course of four to five years of schooling. That's mm -hmm. just on nutritional protocols and, and nutrition itself. So, um, that's the beauty of the world we live in today is I used to joke when I was in full-time practice that it would be Dr. Google. So get on Dr. Google and do some research, not saying everything that you read on the internet is true, but when you couple it with the research, like the stuff that we've been talking about today, the benefits of fasting are in like, there's just so many, but the first one is it removes the insulin response to when you eat food or ingest and try to digest something you by fasting, you're removing that insulin response, which then is acts as the hormone. It's the hormone that controls fat burning versus fat storing. And it allows your numbers to improve rather than the opposite, which is giving it more insulin and trying to force that blood sugar, you know, into the, the cells that are already um, being, you know, weighed yeah. down by that the excess blood sugar. That time without food intake is the only thing that can bring the body's insulin level down to basically as low as it can possibly go near zero levels over an extended period of time. And th this is even if, if you're just expanding your eating window, I'm not even talking about longer fast necessarily. Right. Um, although that, that will take that insulin and keep it at those zero levels for even longer, obviously. Um, it, but that, that's the only way to do it. That's powerful too. Cause if you look at the more severe situation, which is the diabetes diabetic who's on, you know, insulin, and if you are on insulin, talk to your provider, have a plan when you walk into the appointment. Don't just stop taking your medication. That's not what we're saying. We're saying, you know, to, to outline the, under, the understanding of what the problem truly is. So then you can go ahead and put a plan in place. 
Um, and it's, it's the removal of that, that stimulus. So the longer you can go, the better you can be in terms of getting those numbers down faster and getting control of the situation. And, you know, the, in some of the research that we've been looking at and things that I've, we, you know, we've come across is that, you know, 36 hour fasts a couple times a week can, can do the trick in most cases. So you're mm-hmm. thinking, well, I can't eat for 36 hours. Yeah. There's some things that need to be addressed in figuring out how you're going to do that. <clears throat> but that's why we always talk about the, you know, motivation, <clears throat> the mindset, the motivation, the method, and then you figure out how to master it, you know, over the weeks to months, um, rather than, you know, sliding down that slippery slope of just watching it get worse. And people that aren't in that situation, it's easier for you because you just stop eating. Right, Tommy, as you would say? Yeah, right. Just stop eating. <laughs> At least for a time. Yeah, yeah, not forever. Um, so other benefits, cause you know, when you say stop eating people are like, Oh, what about my metabolism? Well, fasting has been shown to increase the metabolism. It's also been shown to, um, decrease your risk of heart disease by lowering cholesterol and triglycerides, lowering your blood sugar. Um, it increases growth hormone, which increases your body's ability to build lean muscle and, and use those fat stores. Um, I mean, there's a few more. It normalizes ghrelin. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone that you want to get that hormone under control fast. You'll actually get hungry less, which is something that's hard for people to kind of digest, pun intended. Um, And, you know, it can also help with things as simple as, uh, I shouldn't say as simple. It can also help with things um, such as stress and depression. Um, you know, food can be used for comfort. Uh, I know when I'm super stressed, my cravings do go up and there is a correlation there also. So Mm -hmm. just looking at that listing in, uh, in totality, you know, um, counteracting the list of disease processes that are related to visceral fat, um, or visceral adipose tissue that is around your midsection. Um, I know which way we're going to go. And we're going to go with the way of reducing that insulin response as quickly as possible and simplifying that process, which is, um, you know, really kind of just removing the source, which is planning out your week um, and sticking to your timing. So the action step this week, Tommy, if you want to go over that. um, Yeah. So should tie everything together. So we want to reiterate what you did last week. Okay. So, so take a look. We were talking last week about planning out your week working it around kind of pre-planning for those special occasions and whatever else you had during the week, business meetings or what have you go back, take a look. Where were your wins? Where were your losses? What tweaks do you want to make for this coming week? Um, what were those things that kind of threw you off and, and where did you have um, those successes? Especially if you were a little worried about something being thrown at you, a wrench in the, um, in the situation, tie in your goals to those weekly habits um, pick a couple of habits that you want to put into your day to day, um, so that you can measure it. You're going to value what you measure and you'll be less likely to fall into that. Hey, let's, you know, um, join me for lunch. Um, or, or, you know, all the things that can come up and then review, review at night. How did I do today and review in the morning? Um, how you want to plan your day. If you review in the evening, review in the morning, uh, you're you're much more likely to have a plan for the day and to stick with it, holding yourself accountable. That's huge for me. If I plan or if I look at my day right before I go to bed and then I look at what's coming up for tomorrow, it totally removes those traps that you're talking about. I fell into it yesterday with the whole 
I'm going to get lunch thing. It wasn't on my plan. I thought, mm -hmm. oh, I have this time, you know, and now I have a date night tonight, which I had forgotten about. Don't tell my wife, but she'll probably hear it <laughs> now that I said it out loud. And now I'm like, all right, well, now I'm going to eat within a 24-hour window, and that's not ideal for me. So that planning piece for me is huge. So hopefully that uh, adds value to y'all's days as, um, as well. Um, the only thing, the uh, only last thing that we'd ask is uh, we are getting really close to being ready to roll out that um, challenge, which is going to be a seven-day challenge on leading you daily through this process. Um, it's it's going to be amazing. We're ironing out the details. Um, but in order to get the updates on that, uh, two things you can do. One, you can go to our website, thefastingforlife.com. You can click on the download button for getting the fast start guide, which will give you an overview of how to get started. Um, and then also, if you go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, if you leave us a review and you subscribe, then you will be getting the updates and the notices on when we let that drop. Anything else, Tommy? Absolutely. No, that's it. Just looking forward to, uh, to the next step. Awesome, Happy man. to have you guys with us. Appreciate you and uh, have an awesome day. You too. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free fast start guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life. Oh,